Johnson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I still don't know if I've come to terms with the fact that Miller Park is soon to be not Miller Park any longer. American Family, insurance, buying the rights. So Miller Park is on its way out. And yesterday we were just kind of reacting, right? We were, well, we were essentially complaining, or at least that's what I was doing. Uh, and you all as well on the Five Star Telecom talking text line. Today, we've been able to, to grab a couple of more details. We've been able to sleep on it, which is big. This is big for Brewers fans. This is a big life change that we're all going to have to make. And I, and I say it with a little bit of sarcasm and a little bit of humor, but it is true. Miller Park has been the Brewers' home since 2001, and it has only gone by that name. And and we are going to have to make an adjustment. Now, maybe you're coping a little bit more than I, and I, and I am being a little bit dramatic uh, on purpose just to be a little bit funny. But it is a big change, and now that we've had a chance to sleep on it, get a couple of more details, I want to talk about it for just a couple of more minutes here on the Wisco Sports Show. The Brewers also made headlines in a different way today. They've done a real good job this offseason of keeping our interest. David Stern's got a promotion. Now, it doesn't mean a whole lot. His responsibilities will stay the same, and I don't think he's getting more responsibility, but it's a title change. It's just the devil is in the details with this one, and we'll talk about maybe what that means a little bit more coming up here in about 10 minutes. I do want to talk more about Miller Park, but UWL talk is on the way later as well. Uh, UWL basketball plays tonight against River Falls. They host River Falls after losing their first Wyatt game on Saturday. Uh, a thin margin at Oshkosh, and they will get back into action tonight at Mitchell Hall. Drew Kelly will have that call here on WK2I at 7, so we'll check in with him at about 5.30. And then a really interesting topic regarding UWL athletics that I want to get into at about quarter to six as well. So we got a jam-packed show, a lot to cover, including, you guys, man, I Miller Park is no longer going to be Miller Park, and people are, are naturally upset about it and if you are upset I would love to hear from you not to tell you that you're wrong not to try to give you advice on how to get over it because I'm still getting over it myself but I would love to have a conversation about it uh, I'm not going to be judging anyone today 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line I was kind of perusing what Dave and Scrady were talking about this morning reading some text and and trying to get the feel for how people feel nobody's too happy about it but the consensus is now a day later, it's amazing what 24 hours will do, that people are saying, I'm still going to be a Brewers fan, I'm still going to go to games, this isn't going to change anything, we'll get used to it like everything else. And I was thinking about the state of Wisconsin as a whole, because interestingly enough, I'm only 20 years old, but even in my lifetime, and then going back even longer, this isn't something we've had to do a lot, and a, and a lot of this outrage, if that's what you want to call it, has been chalked up to Wisconsin people, a simple-minded folk not handling change well, and that might be true, don't get me wrong. Like when the Pfizer Forum's name was announced, nobody really loved it, and it's amazing what a winning basketball team will do to change the conversation and to get people to forget about the Pfizer Forum and kind of the clunky name compared to the Bradley Center. We're over it. And I think winning changes a lot of that, but a lot of hosts and a lot of writers and media members are like, man, Wisconsin people can't handle change, and part of that may be true. I think we are a very... I don't want to say a traditional people. We're just a bunch of we're just a bunch of people. Uh, I don't know if it matters which state we live in, but we haven't had to deal with change. And and you see these petitions and these GoFundMe's being started to keep Miller Park Miller Park, and it's not going to amount to anything. The Brewers don't care because they know as long as they put a winning product on the field, this narrative is going to change really quick. If they signed a huge free agent, if they traded for a guy like Madison Bumgarner today, there's no way we'd be talking about this. But I do think it's interesting because when you compare to the Brewers and Miller Park and this whole situation 
to the last, let's say, 20 years, which is about the length of my lifetime so far, to the rest of the state and its sports teams. We've been in a unique position where we have Lambeau Field, which is not corporately sponsored, obviously. There's there's sponsors uh, that go along with the Packers and with Lambeau Field, but not in that vein, not on the face of the venue. That's still Lambeau Field, and I think the Packers will have a really difficult time changing that. They might. They might end up selling the rights, and people will get over it. But I think that would be met with a lot of backlash as well. We have that tradition there, right? Look at Camp Randall. Same, same exact thing. It is Camp Randall. I, I couldn't, seeing that being named anything else. Like, we have the Coles Center. That, that's a little bit of a different feel. That's simple. That feels like it could be a last name. It doesn't feel like XYZ Insurance Agency Center. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like the, the Target Center. Even the Target Center. It's a short enough. It sounds like it could be a name. It sounds very smooth. I know that's in Minnesota, but close enough. I think we're pretty blessed. And even with Miller Park, Miller Park has been around now uh, just about 20 years since 2001, and it has been under the the same name the whole time. And it's not a a corporate-sounding name. It's Miller. It sounds like it could be a last name, right? It sounds historic, partly because it is. You know, Miller has long roots in Milwaukee, and, and it fits with the brewer's name to boot. But this isn't something that we've had to deal with. Right? They, they had the Bradley Center, which became the BMO Harris Bradley Center, but nobody called it that. They called it the Bradley Center. We didn't really have to deal with a name change. We've never had to deal with anything but Lambeau Field or Camp Randall. And I think this is a first for us. And I, I was listening to different radio shows this morning, and an example that was brought up to give this situation some context was uh, the San Francisco Giants ballpark, which I honestly thought it was still AT&T Field. That changed last year. It is now Oracle Park or AT&T Park, I guess, whatever. It was AT&T, now it is Oracle, and when you look at it, it's crazy, because this stadium has been around just about as long as Miller Park. It was Pacific Bell Park from 2000 to 2003, then it became SBC Park for one year, from 2004 to 2005, and then AT&T Park from 2006 to 2018, and now it's Oracle Park. That's, That's 20 years, and they're on their fourth corporate sponsorship, right? Their fourth name for the stadium. That's something that Wisconsin has never had to deal with, certainly not in the last couple of decades. So if if you're chalking it up to, well, Wisconsin people can't handle change, (laughs) you know, Brewers fans can't handle change, well, maybe that is it. Maybe we just like things to stay consistent, and maybe that's the kind of people Wisconsin people are. I'm I'm not dismissing that, but I also think it, it helps that we've always had Lambeau Field, and we've always had Camp Randall. And the Bradley Center, even though it was sponsored by BMO Harris, it still kind of, it had that traditional feel. It's the Bradley Center. Right, Miller Park sounded kind of historical. It fit with the team. This is a first for us, having a blatant corporate sponsorship on one of our stadiums. And this is something that other fan bases have been dealing with in a much more heavy-handed way than we have the last couple of years. I mean, think about uh, the, the Broncos field as well in Denver. I believe it's called Sports Authority Field or Sports Authority Field at Mile High Stadium or something like that. It's much more wordy. It sounds clunkier. And much like we will get used to whatever the next name for Miller Park is, Broncos fans got used to whatever the name is. I, I don't even know. I think It's Sports Authority Field, but it's somehow placed at mile high something. And when, and when Miller Park is renamed, I have no doubt that we'll get over this and we'll be able to, li- to live our lives. But damn it, we want to complain. We want to be dramatic, myself included. And it's weird. It's one thing if you're building another stadium, right? We had the Bradley Center, and then the Pfizer Forum was erected right next to it. Now the Bradley Center is going to be torn down. To me... It's always felt like Miller Park because it was built and named Miller Park from the beginning. It's not like County Stadium then turned into Miller Park and now it's going to turn into something else. That building has always stood under that name for 20 years. 
which is my whole lifetime. So it's interesting to think about how other fan bases, specifically I use this example in San Francisco because it works so well. They've dealt with four or five names now in just the span of 20 years. Some of those sponsorships only lasting a year. Those Giants fans probably had just gotten used to calling it SBC Park over the course of 2004 and 2005 before it was then changed to AT&T Park. So we've been a little bit spoiled, I think. And even the, like I said, even the stadiums that have a corporate sponsorship didn't really sound like it. Now, the Pfizer Forum is one thing, but I think fans can get over that because it's a brand new building. It, it wasn't renamed the Pfizer Forum. It has always been the Pfizer Forum. I don't know if that will change. This is kind of new water for me. I didn't even know the Brewers' naming rights w- would ever change. I didn't know that was possible. I, did, I was completely surprised by the news yesterday, as I said on air. So I, I think it's an interesting conversation, especially when you compare Wisconsin sports fans' situations to situations of other fan bases in the country. I think this might just be another day at the ballpark, quite literally, for fans of other teams who have gone through changes like this before. You know what I'm saying? 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Some people say it just doesn't matter what the name of the stadium is, and I get that. You're going to be a fan. I'm going to be a fan regardless. But then again, sports radio is meant to have opinions and to complain and be excited. I know a lot of people don't, it doesn't matter what the name is going to be, and that's just fine, but it's It's kind of fun to talk about. It's interesting to talk about. So here we are. Coming up next, more Brewers news. And we're not going to shut down the Miller Park talk or the American Family Insurance Park or whatever it's going to be. We're not stopping that. But the Brewers made some more news today. And it's, in terms of wins and losses, it's more important than whatever the name of the building is going to be. So let's get into that coming up in a few minutes. Thank you for tuning into the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. More to come here on WKTY. about being an ex-big leaguer is getting freebies to the game. Call the front office, bingo. And once these fans recognize me, I probably won't even have to pay for my life here for Miller. Down and <laughs> I love them. These fans know I drink light because it's less filling and it tastes great. Good seats, huh? You're in the wrong shape, buddy. Come on. Oh, I must be in the front row. Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer and less. Good seats, hey, buddy? He missed the tag! He missed the tag! An end of an era in Milwaukee. God, I love that commercial. I don't care what the name of the stadium is. I'm always going to enjoy that commercial. We're talking about Miller Park's name change or presumably upcoming name change here on the Wisco Sports Show. Thanks for tuning in to WKTY. Hope you're having a good night. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You want to chat? 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. You can also do so on Twitter, both at WKTY and at Keystroker Grant. Tweet along with the show. Tweet at the show, and we can talk about it on air. The Brewers also made news today by uh, giving a promotion of sorts. And it is a promotion. I'm not taking away from the promotion at all. uh, To David Stearns. But I think it's more about the details and the technicalities. It's not about the office or the responsibilities or what David Stearns is actually going to be doing. He is the general manager making all the personnel decisions. That isn't changing. But he has been upgraded to not only general manager, but to president, or I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, See, this is how the devil is in the details. I can't even remember what the title was. Uh, President of Baseball Operations. Yes, of course. I didn't want to get it wrong. So David Stearns, number one, congratulations to David Stearns. He is now uh, the bigwig in terms of baseball operations, but this is not a position that the Brewers had previously had, right? He's not replacing anyone. He's not knocking anyone out of a position or climbing up. This was a new title created for him, which, don't get me wrong, a lot of teams have, right? Mostly in football, 
And in basketball and in baseball, you have your president of XYZ operations. David Stearns is now that for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I guess it's coming It's coming at a good time. The Brewers have now changed themselves from a rebuilding team into a World Series contender. Or at least uh, last year was a World Series contender, a game away from the Fall Classic. But I, I think it's interesting because Brewers fans last year, and, and, and rightfully so, don't get me wrong, trading for Christian Yelich, bringing in Lorenzo Cain on a deal were so quickly... Uh, we're so quick to anoint David Stearns as, well, as somebody who could do no wrong. You know, fans and, and people involved with the Brewers had previously anointed him before the trade deadline last year, before the postseason run. Whatever David Stearns does, I'm good with, right? In David Stearns, we trust. And I I like that, don't get me wrong, but until they made the, the World Series push, I was never like, eh. let's just say, I, I was not anointing David Stearns as the best general manager of all time in Milwaukee. And some people were were hopping on that train. Some people were going along with it. And I think every move that he made, Jonathan Scope, Yoli Shasin, Wade Miley, the trade for Jonathan Scope, like I said, every move that he made was met with nothing but blind faith from Brewers fans. And at the time, I'm like, let's slow down here. We're anointing David Stearns as the best GM in franchise history, and they have yet to make the postseason. Well, naturally, a couple months later, they make the postseason. They come within one game of the World Series. And now David Stearns has found himself at the position of president of baseball operations. And what it comes down to, he does not have more responsibility. He may be getting paid more. That's obviously undisclosed. And the length of the contract is undisclosed. That might leak or that might be released at a later date. But mostly it's about prestige. It's about title, right? And and what's fascinating is, and Adam McCalvey tweeted out about this, is really the whole point of this promotion is now David Stearns is basically at his highest ranking position possible, right? Because now another team can't come to David Stearns and say, hey, David, we don't only want you to be our general manager. We want you to be our president of baseball operations. And really, I don't think there's a whole lot more that falls under the purview of a president of operations than a general manager. You're still in charge of all the player acquisition and, and player development and the draft, free agency, trading, all sorts of those things. And that might vary from organization to organization. Who knows? But for the most part, that's all going to fall under any general manager's purview. But the president of baseball operations, we want to put you in charge of everything on the baseball side. That is a possible promotion laying in wait for some team to come and poach a bigger market team or another rebuilding team that wanted to come get David Stearns and poach him for their job. And now you basically put David Stearns at the highest ranking position possible outside of the CEO or the owner. Obviously, or the manager, but that's a completely different realm of of responsibility. So now I think it makes it harder, and by design for the Brewers, makes it harder for other teams to come poach David Stearns. Because now if he leaves, it would have to be some sort of lateral move, right? It's he, he can't leave because he is chasing a promotion. He would be leaving because he was interested in another situation. And you typically don't do that in professional sports. You typically don't see a coordinator leave a team to be a coordinator somewhere else unless it's some kind of rise in the ranks. You see coordinators leave to be head coaches or you see uh, uh, position group coaches leave to become coordinators. But you typically don't see lateral moves. It just doesn't happen a whole lot. And I think this was this choice was walking along those lines of wanting to keep David Stearns in Milwaukee as long as possible. This is what he had to say today uh, after the move was announced. David Stearns talking about the particulars and what exactly 
well, what's in the pudding for this move? Why did David Stearns sign an extension? Why does he want to continue to be here in Milwaukee? Uh, what's his thought process? So this is what he had to say. There were so many things that made this seem right from our enjoyment of the city and living here to the ownership support that we get to the fan support that we get to the people I get to work with on a daily basis. As all of that added up, it sure made a lot of sense to stay. And I'm really glad we got a chance to do that. You know, I'll always say that this postseason run and the community reaction and fan engagement was pretty impactful for me. To feel that we see, uh, to feel that and to see that throughout September in the playoffs, frankly, even after we lost, it was just so much genuine enthusiasm that the city has for this team. That certainly entered my thought process a great deal as well. So David Stern's talking about all the factors on, on why Milwaukee has sold itself on him and why he would want to sign an extension, but it is just that. For David Stern, signing this extension means he is buying stock in Milwaukee and hanging around for years to come and not just biding his time and waiting for a better opportunity to present itself because now that would be tough. Now that he is the president of baseball operations, which is a a role that the Brewers have not had in previous years. They want to keep David Stearns here, and Stearns knows that. Stearns knows that that's what this is about. This title and this promotion of sorts, even though the responsibility, the office, a lot of the things are going to stay the same day to day, the position is meaningful. Because now, it would be hard for him to chase a better situation elsewhere. That was what was in the back of the Brewers' mind. And David Stearns isn't a dummy. He knows that as well. And that's basically the overtone of that entire quote from the interview earlier today. So you got to like the direction the Brewers are trending and he talks about the excitement even after they lost, the fan support, the media support, all of that. I mean, Brewers on deck, when did it turn into this kind of exciting event that tickets are selling out so quickly? They're announcing who's going to be there, who's going to be signing autographs, what's going on, and fans are snapping up tickets like crazy. It's been a while in my lifetime since there has been this amount of excitement, preseason excitement for a Brewers team, right? Knowing, leading up to a season, that this team's going to be pretty good. There was that last year with the Kane and the Yelich acquisitions. People had higher expectations for this team. Now, maybe it wasn't Game 7 of the NLCS, but it was certainly a big jump from the previous year. And I think fans, maybe the Brewers don't get back to the postseason this year. Maybe they don't even, maybe they don't even contend. I, I don't know. But all the fans know that there is excitement. There are good players. There's money being spent. There's capital being laid on the line from Atanasio in this front office to put a quality product on the team, which you don't always get. It's not a given in baseball. Andrew and lacrosse chimes in. It says Miller is synonymous with the team name, the Brewers. That's an issue for me. It's not even the fact that Miller Coors has been sponsoring the name. Miller Park sounded so perfect. Yeah, Andrew, I'm with you. I'm going to miss hearing Bob Uecker saying the stadium name over the airwaves. Nothing American Family Insurance can put together will ever sound as smooth as the simple Miller Park. And Andrew, that's kind of what we were talking about to begin the show as well today. Miller, let's not lie, Miller is a corporate sponsorship. Like, we're, we're complaining that American Family Insurance is a corporate sponsorship, and it, and it doesn't have that, that historic sound that Lambo or Camp Randall might, but you, Miller Park, it's simple. It's not XYZ Corporation field. It's Miller Park. It sounds like a name. It sounds historical, and in some sense it is, and it just fits so well with the Brewers. And then it kind of goes along with the with the other reaction to typically older fans, I think, because people my age hate this, and of course we should. It's been Miller Park our whole life, but fans saying, I'll still watch, I'll still come to the games, we'll get over it, and, and I guess the name doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your name is! And I guess maybe that's the sentiment of some people as well. Andrew, you don't like it. I don't like it either. 608-796-2558. We can continue to talk about it, but we got to step aside for a moment and welcome in Drew Kelly. He has been on the beat for uh, the UWL basketball team and all of our local teams here in lacrosse for WKTY and WIZM. We're going to get some words from him as he heads off to cover the WIAC matchup between the Eagles and the Falcons. 
I believe, <laughs> of River Falls. And they're playing a big WIAC matchup at Mitchell tonight. UWL looking to bounce back. So we'll get some details from him and maybe what he thinks about this team as well. Coming up in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. This is the Wisco Sports Show right here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a good night. Coming up tonight at 7, UWL taking on UW River Falls. That call can be heard here on WKTY at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app. And uh, the voice of just about every sport here on WKTY is Drew Kelly. He joins us for a couple of minutes. Drew, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to this game. Should be fun. It, UWL is exciting to me right now. I, I don't know if they can sustain the success, and I want to ask you more about that in a little bit, but this team has put together some really fun wins. I just think they're a fun team to watch. I've watched good teams before that I didn't really think are fun. This team has some interesting things going on. Like, like If we're just looking at UWL basketball as a whole, if people are now just like starting to pay attention to this team because of all the wins they're getting... Yeah. Like, like, what should they be looking for? What is different about this team? What's fun about this team? I think the fact that they can win in a multitude of different ways. I mean, they've got outside shooters. If that's the way the game is played, yeah. if you have two, three zones, they can take advantage of that. If they have a size mismatch, we've called a couple of games uh, between the two of us that uh, they just pounded it down low, and the opponents couldn't stop it. So you have a lot of versatile players, a lot of good athletes that you can get out and transition, but I think they're smart enough in half court to find the open man and and exploit matchups. I think that's really what this team comes down to, is just exploiting matchups and knowing who the opponent is and kind of their weaknesses and being able to take advantage of them. I think versatility is a big part of this team, too. We've seen other coaches like throw different lineups at them, but when I've seen these games, it feels like every game you have your your mainline guys who are putting up numbers and then somebody has a breakout game like uh the game that i and it's a different yeah it's yeah, a different person each game yeah it was i i saw the jack cordis game i saw yep. the the seth anderson game where he came on it like the way that coach dernbach can plug and and different players in has been really impressive do you think that is a big part of this team and maybe they don't have their their standard five dudes that they always yep. rely on well and that's that's that could be used as a positive. Yeah, too. you know, you don't have to have a, a consistent lineup where people can just, um, you know, scout you to a certain degree. You're going to have new matchups. You're going to have new faces in there pretty much all the time. And just going down the stats, you got two players in double figures. You've got a guy basically averaging ten points, nine yep. and a half points per game. But then four more are averaging seven points a game. So I mean, the balance is really, really. High uh, throughout the entire lineup, you got uh, you know six guys that are averaging more than six points a game, another averaging four points a game, and like we stated, any one of those guys can go off at any one time. So I mean, it, you know, you're going to have these games where you're going to get twenty, but then they might not score for you know three or four games, lowering their average a little bit, but then. They're going to have another big game when you don't expect them to. UWL, and we're talking to Drew Kelly here, the voice of sports on WKTY. I I watch this lineup, and they're really top-heavy, and then they're really bottom-heavy. In the middle, there, there seems to be this gap, and, and they yeah. have their starters, which remain pretty consistent, but then they have a couple of freshmen and younger players who come off the bench, but they play close to starter minutes. Yeah. Ethan Anderson, the freshman, is, has found himself in that role a lot. It, it's almost like they have a second batch of starters to bring in. And is that a good way to work in younger players when, when they have the talent to contribute, but you don't necessarily want to put that spotlight on them and rely on them as a starter right away? I think so. I mean, you got to bring them slowly. I, I don't think, I mean, and the good news is they're in a position where they can bring them along slowly. Yeah. They don't have to throw them out there and basically let them get eaten by the wolves, you know, in their first year, where from high school to college, it's a completely different ballgame. You know, we've seen oh, yeah. a guys like, uh, 
name's mistake. Name is. Don't you love it when this I, happens? I'm losing. I'm losing yeah. the name. But uh, we've seen him, uh, the t- kid from Toma. Is that Ethan Anderson? Uh, Ethan Anderson from Black River Falls, if that's what you're a, talking yeah, about. There's, there's a kid from Toma that is on the team, and he's a, he's a freshman as well. But, uh, you know, last year he was skying over everybody on the floor. Mm-hmm. And now he's like another every other guy. I mean, every guy that you face defensively is going to be that type of height. So you have to bring him along slowly. You have to be able to know, you know, that he can make a couple of mistakes, but you're not going to just bury him on the bench forever. I think that's yeah. the other part of Coach Dernbach's style. He's willing to let you make a few mistakes and work it and throw you back out there and see, you know, if you can learn from him. He's not just going to, if you make one mistake, you're benched for the rest of the game and you're never going to get back on the floor because that's not a way to really develop players either. they got to be able to work through their mistakes and be able to learn from them as well. I can't wait until you're calling the game tonight and that player jumps out to you <laughs> and you completely lose focus during yeah. your call. And, yeah. and nobody listening to the game, unless, of course, they're obviously listening now, is going yeah. <laughs> to understand what's going on. This team's been really impressive. They had one ten of 11. Uh, they were undefeated in WIAC play up until Saturday. They lost on the road. But interestingly enough, this kind of parallels last season as well. They started really hot, and then they found themselves in a spot in WIAC play where they lost a lot of close games. Now, yeah. obviously, we can't, we're only speculating. We can't know for sure. Is there anything that jumps out with to you with this team that leads you to believe that they're better equipped this year to handle some adversity and to win some of those closer games and take a next step as a program and not cool off after this hot start? I think uh, just the depth. We, we mentioned that before. Uh, you know, the fact that last year they had a couple of stars, and I think a part of it is also Coach Sternbach's second year. Last year he was just an interim coach. That's true. They weren't sure what they were going to have we with the program uh, in general. And now he has his own system. He's solidified there as the coach of the UWL men's basketball program. And I think that just makes everybody a little bit more relaxed, quite frankly. Um, and he came in late last year in the process. It was, I think, like September that he was hired because it was a late uh, retirement That's by the tough. previous coach. So, I mean, it's like you don't even know who this coach is. Now you got to play for him and kind of change to his style, uh, so to speak. So, I mean, I, now they, they kind of know who he is, what he's about, and, and obviously they're starting to reap the, reap the benefits from that. Um, it should be interesting tonight, a team in River Falls that uh, played UW-Whitewater to two points. The last game they had. So, I mean, this is, there's no easy game in the WIAC. You got to bring your A game pretty much every time. This is a team that's under 500, but as they proved against Whitewater at Whitewater, you know, you can't uh, overlook any team or else you're going to get got. It, it, it's fascinating. And those of you who would tune in to, in the fall to, to hear about uh, UWL football and listen to Eye on the Eagles, it's got to be the biggest cliche in Wisconsin sports radio and talk about college football and basketball. There's no easy game in the WIAC. Right. Everybody's good, and but it's true. But it's like, true. I, I hate saying it because right. it sounds like we beat it to death and we use it as this uh, this crutch. UW, UW River Falls doesn't have a great record, but all I hear about them is they're a better team than their record shows. There's no pushover games in the WIAC. Yeah. What about this team really should give UWL some cause for concern tonight, regardless of what their record might say up until this point? Three players and double figures. I mean that's a pretty <laughs> that'll that's a pretty good lineup. I mean when you can have three guys in double figures uh, in Division three college basketball, that's going to be a really big challenge for UWL here tonight. Uh, you know foul trouble is obviously the biggest thing. Uh, if they can get those one of those guys in foul trouble, force them to rely on the bench players because unlike UWL, River Falls has three guys in double figures and then it goes down to about four points a game. Yeah. So I mean if those guys aren't at the top of their game or they're in foul trouble or hurt or whatever. They're going to drop off quite considerably, probably indicative of their eight and nine record, you know, because you can obviously scout those three players, and if you can slow them down or eliminate one of the three, you know, you're going to have a lot better chance to, you know, force the other guys to probably step up. And obviously, they haven't been 
shown to do it. So and far. that's that's probably what plays into UWL success a little bit when a team thinks they have Ben Meinholz scouted out or a guy like Talvish McRae at the point guard or Tarek Nessheim underneath, who at times has been defended really well. They have these, not random players, but guys that you don't know as well off of the bench who have big games, like like 12 to 16 point games where you're like, where did this come from? Yeah. And does that maybe that opens the door for an opportunity for one of those younger guys? Maybe River Falls just doesn't have that depth yeah. that guys can step up when those frontline starters are shut yeah. down. Uh, so it should be interesting uh, here tonight, and obviously a 7 o'clock tip. Uh, hopefully a good crowd uh, shows up to this game tonight, and I know that's a teaser for a later yes. segment here on the Wisco Sports Show. But, uh, you know, it's a fun team to watch. I mean, it really is. And the fact that they are, they've won 10 of 12. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to watch a winner, go watch this team play. I mean, they're 6-0 and at home. Yeah. If you want to watch them play, despite, watch them play at home. Despite a quiet home crowd, right. they're 6-0 and at home. Yeah, so, I mean, and it just shows that... Uh, I think any more support that they could possibly have is obviously uh, even better. And it's it's interesting you brought that up. And before you squeak out the door, I want to ask you, because when you go cover games, even like at Central or at Logan, you're often getting there 520, 530, because you're always like, you never know with the parking, you yeah. never know with the crowds. And and here we are, it's 540, tip is at 7 o'clock, and I know it's right up the hill, <laughs> but you typically leave a lot earlier than this. Yeah. What can you speak to attendance on some of these games? Because I know we've called games, and I do want to talk about this wrapping up the show. Where it's just been quiet in there, and I know it's over Christmas break, so a lot of the students. Yeah, are still it, it gone. hurts for sure. But I mean, it just—I've covered games there last year too. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just not—it's just not a priority it's not for it. whatever. I mean, lacrosse is a weird place just because there's so many entertainment options out there. Um, you know, and, and the fact for—and I—I don't—I don't mean to denigrate a Division three program. Of course but not. If, if you're not—if you're not from there, and if you're not from the area, and you didn't go to school there. You can watch a D1 basketball game on the TV in the comforts of your own home with yeah. a bathroom and a fridge right there <laughs> the to get another things. beer. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's one of those things that it's good basketball. Don't get me wrong by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're going to, just the passion, I think, is just, it's just hard to to conjure up unless you are associated with the teams or if they all of a sudden get to the postseason and, and you know and start making a little bit of a run in, in the tournament. No, that's a really good point. I think I don't want to call it a, a niche audience for a Division three college, but it's definitely not as broad as as Division one or heck even some high school teams like Central who who draw so big. So it's interesting. And, and, and another interesting point I think also and we'll see how this kind of translate over the years, but there's not a lot of local kids right now. The women's team has a lot of local talent right now that are freshmen, sophomores, um several from Aquinas, a couple from Onalaska. And that, I think, might help in the next few years. But the, the prep teams, you kind of feel like they're your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is my school. This is my town. This is who I am. You know, we're going to represent the team and sure. kind of cheer for, you know, hometown pride, uh, for lack of a better term. But, you know, when you get kids that are coming from Chicago area or Minneapolis or wherever you're bringing these kids from, there's just not a much of a, as much of an emotional connection to them to want to see them do well and play well. You know, I, I think that probably has a little bit to do with it as well. No, that, that's a really good point, and it's all things that I'm going to take into account. I do want to talk about attendance at UWL sporting events uh, as we wrap up the show. 7 o'clock tip tonight. Drew, thank you as always. You know you your stuff, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to listening. Have fun tonight. Josh Dalkey. Josh Dalkey, that's the name. I knew I was going to remember it. <laughs> at least, I, I mean, I usually it, it happens like right when you turn off the mic, and then I go exactly, away. Exactly. But I, Josh Dalkey. Well, Josh now, Dalkey. It, now it won't interrupt your broadcast yeah, no, tonight. No, Look at it that right. way. Thanks again, Drew. Yep. Yeah, Drew Kelly, the voice of uh, sports here on WKTY, always working over here, always working at WIZM as well, and we definitely appreciate when he can hop on 
a lot of times without notes, too, and, and most of the time he sounds brilliant, but sometimes there is that one player who you may have written on your notes that you just can't come up with. So, Drew, thank you as always. I do want to talk attendance. 7 o'clock tip tonight, so we're just going to keep the conversation rolling about UWL. That to come here next on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. And a thank you to Drew Kelly once again. It's tough work being Drew Kelly. You're going to know everything about every high school team, know everything about UWL, both the men's and the women's and their competition. So we lean on him often here on the Wisco Sports Show. That game, uh, UW River Falls and UW Lacrosse will tip off at 7 o'clock tonight. You can hear it wherever you're listening right now. It'll do the trick in about an hour. So hang out. Uh, and enjoy some UWL basketball as well. This week, for those of you who are really plugged into uh, to local sports and local coverage of sports, you may have seen a column in the Lacrosse Tribune by Colton Bartholomew. He joined the show last week to talk about the wild success that a lot of these programs are having right now at UWL. And it was a very pointed article regarding the attendance, or I should say column, a very pointed column regarding the attendance of UWL sports captioned, where are you UW lacrosse sports fans? And it was very interesting. He didn't really pull punches. He didn't hold back. And I think his stance combined with the nuance and some perspective that Drew Kelly just gave us, I think is really fascinating because it, they're different pieces to the puzzle. UWL right now is seeing a little bit of a revival in some of their sports teams years being removed from just being playing awful in football, especially in comparison to a great conference surrounding them. Let's start with football, for example. They had three straight three and seven seasons, and now Mike Schmidt has been there three seasons. They went from three and seven to five and five to eight and two, and then seven and three this year. They're getting better. This is a good program, and we always talk, and it is a cliche, and I hate saying it, but it's true. There are no easy games in the WIAC. It's just an, an outstanding athletic conference. Seven and three is no pushover. Eight and two is definitely no pushover. This team is good, and they're having a lot of success. But the attendance isn't there. Eagles were fifth in average uh, for attendance in the WIAC this year at about 2,250 people per game. And that's coming from three and seven to well over 500 at eight and two and seven and three. You want to talk about hoops, you want to talk about basketball. Both teams are right at the top of their respective conferences. The UWL men hadn't lost in conference up until Wednesday. UWL women are 15-2, and 4-2 and two in conference play, and they're ranked number 22 in the country. And they just got a nationally ranked win. Or excuse me, earning their first uh, national ranking since 2010. And they have the worst attendance in the league. Now, there's a lot of factors here. You want to talk about the improvement? Yes, it's been steady. And the attendance has not grown. That is, that is true. But I think there's a couple of counterpoints that maybe Drew Kelly just offered and that I have to offer as well that I think put a little nuance and a little bit more perspective and maybe a more well-rounded take on average right now football for uwl ranks fifth in the conference in attendance they pull in about 2200 people a game why or whitewater is first at about 2700 there's about a 500 uh person discrepancy men's basketball is eighth at about 280 per game steven's point is first at about 500 it's about close to double and then women's basketball is at eighth. They sit at 200. Stevens Point pulls about 275, just short of 300 per game. So there's a big discrepancy, and it is an athletic conference. But it is Division Three, and I think there are a couple of takes. Let's start with, with Division Three. I, I just don't know if there is a lot of connection 
with your average uh, lacrosse fan, right? Somebody, or not even a fan, your lacrosse resident who lives here, maybe doesn't feel ownership of these teams and of these players. In high school, that's a little bit different. You kind of feel like they're your kids, right? Maybe you have kids that live in the community and they know a kid on the team and for a reason, or they play on the team. And for those reasons, you feel like you should go and support and be a part of that community. I don't think that happens with UWL. And there aren't a lot of local kids on the team. We talked about Josh Dalkey uh, from Toma, but that's about it. I don't know if there's that community connection with a Division three college that there is with high school. 608-796-2558. It's an interesting topic because it, on one hand, I, I don't want to take shots at anyone. I don't want to downplay Division three sports. I don't want to downplay sports fandom here in lacrosse. Let's go to the five-star telecom talk and text line. We're talking attendance at UWL Sports, which are all performing really good right now. Caller, welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. What do you got? Hey, man, how you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Uh, yeah, I actually, I'm a UWL alumni. I'm a few years removed. I graduated in 2014. Okay. But, you know, just from being on campus a lot, you know, I lived in the dorms as a freshman and then had off-campus housing near campus. You bet. The rest of my tenure. There's just not a fanfare there, really. The student body, uh, most of them just don't really care. And I don't know if you can blame that on the athletic department. I know there was a lot of campaigns. There was a maroon platoon going around. I don't know if that's still going on now, but I remember hearing a lot about it. But it's just, you're right. It it feels like it's something you do in high school. You get really into going to those football and basketball games. And then when you get to college, especially college like UWL, with a lot to do, including at night, you know, going out to the party scene. I just think there's interest everywhere else except for the athletic teams, and that's nothing against the athletes. And they're doing great right now, but, you know, it's just something I don't know if they're ever going to get get traction and get large attendance at any of their events, especially the indoor events. Yeah, that's tough. And I, and I do want to ask, because I hear the uh, about the Badger student section all the time on Bill Michaels. He loves to, to rag on that, and I and I get it. Part of me feels, and I'm a current student at UWL. Part of part of me feels like we don't, we should not have a responsibility just because we go there. We shouldn't be responsible to care about these teams. It's not really our job. It's nice when people do, but but do you think there's this expectation that all students should go to games? I, I don't really know if that's fair. You know what I mean? No, and especially at the Division Three level, uh, D1. I get that. You know, because you look around at some of these other college football stadiums, they're filled to the brim. Oh yeah, you know, especially in the SEC. But hey, you know, again, that's that's just a, a product of the student body. You know, the, the students at Madison, they go hard. They like to party. They're not going to be there at kickoff. They're Heck probably yeah. going to mid, leave mid-third quarter, and they'll catch the highlights on their phone as they go. You know, it's just changing times, changing society. But I, I think the real challenge for UWL being the D3 level is you don't have a lot of extra money to invest in promotions to get students to come to these. You could do something really crazy and get, get big attendance, but that's a, that's a big cost drain. That's just not realistic. So, you know, if you've got somebody close, you know, a friend or a roommate, that's a reason to go. That's a few reasons I went to games. Other than that, you know, kudos to these athletes who obviously just love playing the sport they play and are continuing to do it at a lower-tiered, less glamorous level. I think for them, just the satisfaction of competition even if there's not a big crowd, it's hopefully enough. Uh, no. Thanks a lot for taking my call, man. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate you chiming in on the five-star telecom talk and text line. I think there's a lot of good nuggets in there. Uh, that's a great call. That was our best call today. Well, I, <laughs> I guess that was our only call today, but I appreciate it. Uh, it would be hard to beat that call, and I think it's a lot of good perspective on somebody who went to UWL. Let's talk about uh, comparing it to Division One. I, I don't know if any students feel the responsibility 
to go to these games, and, I, and I'm, I'm part of that. I have two roommates who are wrestlers, and I enjoy covering, uh, for the station, I enjoy covering both of these basketball teams, and I like going to games, but I went to one football game this year. I have yet to check out a, a track meet. I have yet to check out a lot of these things. UWL is really good at doing what they do, and that is winning and dominating at the Division Three level, and I think there's a bit of a disconnect. People who come to UWL for sports are diehard, and, and you have to be at the Division Three level, right? Because you're not getting paid. You're essentially doing the school a service by providing them with an athlete, providing them with, a, with an asset who's going to make them money without asking for anything in return. You need to love playing basketball to play at UWL. You need to love to wrestle or to run track. That needs to be at the front of it because you're not getting anything in return other than the joy of competition and competing and practicing in the sport in which you love. That makes sense. And there is a huge population that all falls within those guidelines at UWL. Basketball players, track and field athletes, wrestlers, we talked about that last week, that just love their sport and they're here to grind and they will support other athletes because of it. But I think there's a big disconnect between that group, which is big. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of spectacular athletes at UWL in all different sports. It's a big group. But there's a disconnect between that group and the students who come here because maybe the school has their program. They like the city of lacrosse. There's a good downtown scene. There's a good party scene. There's a lot of factors drawing students to UWL, not just the athletics. And I think students who have other things on their mind other than athletics are hard-pressed to just casually go check out a game or casually go watch a meet. Right? I, I just think there's a disconnect. I saw a picture after the wrestling meet last week, their big win over, um, over Whitewater. There were dozens, nearing 100-plus student-athletes who all came to support it's its own little community. It's very tight-knit, and everyone supports each other and the sports that which they love to play at no gain to them other than getting to play their sport. That group is, is I think, as, as good as you can ask for at the Division Three level. Maybe, maybe Whitewater's got it like that. I don't know. I know their baseball, football, basketball, their big three is great. I don't know what it's like past that. But UWL is tremendous. Winning national championships and having national championship contenders in wrestling and in track and field especially. There's a huge group of athletes who are very good at what they do, and that, and that is supporting each other and competing. But I think there's a disconnect between that group and, and the student body that is just there for other reasons. None of them more or less important than the athletics that these student athletes come to UWL for. And I think that's interesting. How can you get that group of students to connect with the athletes? How can you get those students to support those athletes for no other reason than to just basically support them? Because as I, this caller and I talked about, there's no, there's no contract. There's no clause in coming to UWL that says you are required and you should because you're a good student and a good person support your sports team. That's, that shouldn't be expected. That's what drives me crazy with the UWL football student section. Those students don't owe those football players anything. Those players are getting paid in scholarships. They're getting a bunch of free stuff. Now, they're donating some of their time and making it harder on themselves that they're not donating, but they're giving plenty of their time to the school in terms of athletics and in, and in uh, academics. But the rest of the student body who is there for different reasons, much like there are students at UWL for different reasons than athletics, th- those students don't owe the athletes anything, especially at the Division three level. Are you kidding me? Just as much at the Division two and Division one level as well. That disconnect, I think, is a big part in this lack of attendance. Now, community attendance, that's another thing. Drew talked about how I, I don't think the lacrosse community necessarily feels ownership of a Division three sports team like they would a high school sports team. Friday Night Lights is huge. People love going out and watching local football. I'm from Menominee. Menominee plays at Don and Nona Williams Stadium, which is where Stout plays. That place was three times 
three times as many people on Friday nights as there are on Saturday afternoons. And that's just the way that it goes. And part of that is due to the Division Three factor. I get it. But when teams are this good, let's get out and enjoy it. And that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm, I'm heading over to Mitchell Hall uh, just after I wrap up a couple things here as we close up the show. Don't forget, 7 o'clock tip here on WKTY. Drew Kelly will bring you the call. Wyack Basketball. UWL lost for the first time in a while on Saturday. We'll see how they bounce back, hopefully in a strong way tonight. Tip-off is at 7. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you're having a good night. I really appreciate it. I have a good time uh, interacting and speaking with all of you on all of these topics, whether it's UWL, whether it's Packers, Brewers, high school teams. uh, We're really blessed with a lot of different topics and a lot of different interesting topics on the show. So thanks for tuning in. We'll continue it all tomorrow. Same time at same place. Enjoy the UWL game tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow.